It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon and welcome to Talent Talk. We are early here in 2022 and well, so, so far surviving. No, I guess we're sort of living through a new little mini pandemic, but uh, you know, things, things that sure seem a little bit less crazy than last January for some reason, but maybe that's just because it's the new normal. Maybe we're just used to it, but what, what, what is still uh, normal for us is talking to incredible people who have something to say around talent who are uniquely talented themselves. And this is what the show is all about is I love to have conversations with really smart people and hopefully they can tell me something that I can use. I can help myself be a little bit better. I can help my staff. I can help my companies. I can help those, my clients, anyone that we're working with, maybe with a new idea, maybe a new way of thinking about something, maybe worrying about something we should be worrying about, right? And, and preparing for maybe some changes that might be uh, happening in the world. So this show really is, is about having that conversation. And today is no different. Um, really excited that we'll be having uh, Brandon Miller on, CEO at 34 Strong. He's also a uh, Clifton Strengths workplace expert, uh, working parent advocate, uh, at incrediblefamily.com. And then after the commercial break, we'll bring in, uh, actually, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Brandon will be a, after the commercial break. Uh, and then, uh, but to start the show, we'll be with uh, Nick Marks. He's a happiness expert, statistician, and CEO and founder of Friday P uh, Pulse. So don't forget, you uh, should subscribe wherever you feel like tuning in. We do these live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And we also turn them into a podcast and you can listen to those on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes. I mean, literally we put it everywhere. So just decide where you feel like hanging out and subscribe there so you never miss an episode. In this coming year, we're probably going to be doing maybe a little bit less shows than we have in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, how long we've been doing this. And we've been doing two uh, interviews every week, almost every week of the year. We might just do a little bit less this coming year. So just to kind of keep on top of that, make sure you are subscribing. So I sort of mentioned who is going to be on the on the show today. I'm really excited to bring in uh, Nick Marks. We were just talking. He lives in, in England, uh, close to Stonehenge, and found out that uh, I've actually sort of been in this little area where, where, he's, uh, where he's at, which is sort of a fun little jaunt down memory lane when I used to travel before I had children and I could do so without worrying about where I was going to be. But anyways, uh, Nick, welcome so uh, to the show. So happy to have you here. Thanks so much for asking me, Chris. 
Yeah. So I know you're an happiness expert. You're a statistician. You are the CEO and founder of Friday Pulse. So you're doing a lot of things. Maybe you could kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what's important for us to know about you for our conversation today? Well, by trade, I'm a statistician, which basically means I like numbers. And I kind of think that numbers are the language of business. And I'm very interested in people. So I become the guy that does numbers about happiness and people and their experience. And in businesses, I think that the happiness of employees is very important. It's a serious business, I sometimes say. And measurement helps us take it seriously. So that's really what I do with my work now. Um, I used to advise the UK government on how they measured well-being. So I worked with Tony Blair and David Cameron on that. And, uh, and I did a TED Talk back in 2010 on that work. But my work since then has been about work. So, I, you know, you sort of talk about how, you know, how stats and measurement, I mean, that's sort of a really big part, I think, of what makes a great company is knowing what to measure, what's important to measure, and then really being able to measure that properly and then turn that into actionable, you know, things, whether that's for your clients, whether it's for your employees. Uh, I notice that the best companies sort of get that right. And, and I always find that I'm fascinated by stats and, and, and how it trends and, and looking at, at data from that perspective. And yet I hated my, my stats class in college. I like absolutely hated it. And everyone I knew hated it. Right. So is there like, there's some barrier here between like those who are really doing the work and then those of us that are just happy to, to see the results of it. I mean, do you sort of deal with some of that friction sometimes? Well, I mean, I was the annoying guy at school that could just do math without really thinking about it. You know, and uh, and I, I I do get retrospectively that was probably a bit annoying, but I, I I think statistics and the way I use them is about seeing patterns. So it's about trends. It's about how do you present. I, I'm very interested in how you present data so it's useful. Um, I mean, I don't want to be wrong, but I'm more interested in being useful than three decimal places right. So I'm interested in giving getting statistics that show direction of travel, that show how you can intervene. So just like you said, it's about how you act on the data. I'm really not into passively collecting data to just make yourself look smart. I want to do stuff that helps people change. So maybe how can leaders start to prioritize uh, workplace well-being? And, and before I have you answer that, I know it, it can be very different, right? right? For for companies right now, we have different work environments. We have traditional, we have hybrid, we have people who are gone fully remote. I know that we had some people come in and study my organization and we noticed that what people valued completely flipped upside down. Like the pyramid went upside down when we went remote, right? So what they cared about as remote employees was different than what they cared about when they went into an office. And so I can just imagine like somebody suddenly thrown into this new world that they would have a hard time trying to prioritize you know, well-being. So where do you think that starts today in 2022 from your perspective? Well, I think it always starts with asking people how they are. You know, I mean, you can do that informally just by having conversations with people, but statistically the way we do that is we ask people questions repeatedly so that we get a trend and we and use some questions. So I'm very interested in the question like, how happy were you at work this week? And if you ask repeatedly each week, you then get the changes. If you just ask once a year, right. you can do some diagnosis, but you, you don't really get it. So I'm very interested in asking very little, very often, because then that acts like an early warning system. Like if you see a team struggling, you know quickly and you can intervene rather than, oh, my God. Yeah, that team were really unhappy. Yeah, they mainly left. 
that doesn't really help you. If you get the data in real time or near real time, you can do it. So, so that's the way I lean with measurement is towards um, light and often. We've had lots of people talk about on, on this show that sometimes employees don't know what they want or they don't know sort of answering questions in a bubble. Right. And so yeah. there's this element between where I think it was Henry Ford that famously said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse or something yeah. along that lines, or they didn't know they could have a car. They didn't know that yeah. they could go to something bigger and better. So where does that sit? Right. I mean, we can ask people, are you happy? And they might say yes. And they don't know they could be happier or they might say they're not happy, but they have no idea that they're, you know, someone down the street is literally miserable. They have it really, they have a great thing going. So, you know, how do, how do we deal with that element of it? So the way that you statistically try and get to sort of solid ground is not ask people about their future perception about things. We're really bad predictors of how we'd be in the future. So if you ask a question, which people do like employee net promoter score, you know, how, uh, you know, if you were talking to somebody, would you recommend this company? You've got a lot of ifs in there. You've got to imagine yourself in a future scenario. You've got to think about what you would say, would you recommend them? So you've, you've lost touch with reality straight away. So I always ask, like, how have you felt this week? It's a reflective moment on the past five days. Um, so it's much more solid. And yes, with happiness, we can compare ourselves to other people. But if you're asking regularly, we tend to compare ourselves to ourselves in the past. And so then you get you get you get more reliable data. There's always some what you could call error in the in the measurement, in the culture effects, personality effects and things like that. Right. But if you've got the same people going through time, you're, you're, you're reducing that error quite a lot. Yeah, and you should have. Uh, you know, you might have people that are overly happy and you might have people that are overly critical. I mean, that's, that should sort of wash out, especially, I mean, if you're not surveying a two person company, um, that's, yeah. that should, should <laughs> sort yeah. of, should have regulated itself out a little bit, but um, you know, one of the things that I noticed that when we went fully remote, that people started to care a little bit more about personal, uh, sorry, professional satisfaction and a little bit less about personal connection. So they still, but they still wanted, you know, the social interaction. They still wanted to have the relationship mm -hmm. with their coworkers, but it came less about, uh, I don't have to, I don't have the person sitting next to me in the cubicle farm that I need to be. That's my work friend, right? And it, we don't have to, we don't go walking or out to lunch with a group of people, right? So I'm just sort of thinking about those people who are sort of dealing with remote work, the, the relationships and the dynamics start to change. So how, how do we make sure that they continue to matter? Well, I think first I think you're spot on. So if I look at indicators, then things like team relationships, friendships at work have dropped in scores. I, I measure those variables sometimes. And um, and that has happened. And we have seen sometimes some increases in personal productivity. It does depend on burnout, depends on all sorts of things. And I'm mm -hmm. sure you're aware. It's just huge variability about people's experience of the pandemic. You know, some people like me, who are married and have no young children at home, and I happen to like my wife as well as live with her, it's been quite easy, yeah? But if you, you know, some of my team had young children, they were homeschooling somewhere in an apartment on their own, so they just got socially isolated. So it's been a huge variability in experience. But yeah, we have seen team relationships under pressure. And for a short amount of time, maybe nine months, one year, that's okay. We can sort of live on the social capital that we'd accrued before the pandemic. But we're now nearly two years into it, and that's quite depleted. And so actually restoring those relationships is actually a really critical thing to do in 2022, is think of relationships as part of work, 
because that's the, the you know that's the cornerstone of people's teamwork. It's the collaboration, it's the creativity, it's the support we give each other when we get on well with each other. And if we've lost contact with others, but then we tend to be in a silo and we tend to be working on our own. So I think that's one of the real dangers to 2022, that people just assume that all those social relationships are still there. They're not, they're depleted, they need restoration. We, we found that there was, uh, I was going to sort of ask you about some maybe warning signs in staff well-being, uh, but as it relates to what you were just saying, we noticed that there was groups of people were very different, right? And so mm, yeah. what they're, someone living by themselves or living with one other person, they they had different experiences and really we needed to connect them mm-hmm. to help each other, which was very different than they had kids at home or multi, you know, that kind of thing, or they were multi-generational, right? They might've had, some people brought their grandparents home or their parents back to live with them during the pandemic yeah. and they just started to yeah. quarantine in place. That seemed like a good idea until everyone was on the internet at the same time, yeah. you know, and, and, but those groups needed different things and they had different warning signs and they had different, you know, needs and, and wanted to connect, but the, the two groups were very like different. One was overworking, one was underworking. Yeah. Right. And so the warning signs were clear there, but now that we've sort of gone a bit, like you said, much longer, it's two years. What are some of the warning signs that you're starting to look at uh, for people? So we've got, I think almost a, a, a tsunami of, of, of burnout about to happen. You know, mm-hmm. people are just drained and it, you know, it, it, and it's, and it's, it's partly driven by the frustrations of COVID, it's partly driven by boredom in some ways, not necessarily at work, but in life of everything being the same. And so that we just lost so much variability. I mean, you know, we, I, I don't know what the data is in the U S but I know in the UK, we used to typically see about 12 people a day and that's down to about four or five. And that's a huge, huge difference. We're very social creatures, uh, humans, and we're really missing that. So that, that's, a, that's a big thing. So I think people are quite depleted. Um, people talk about the great resignation coming. I don't know. We'll see. Um, you know, that's, uh, you know, but, but I, I, I can understand that there's going to be the pressure to it, particularly now people can apply for jobs in different locations and geographies. You know, I think that's going to be a, a difference in the market. So I think there's, there's going to be huge ways about retaining talent. And, and all I know from my data is that when people are happy at work, they stay. And when they're unhappy, they leave. And so, you know, I think thinking about the happiness of your employees has never been more critical. Yeah. I mean, this, the, the whole great resignation thing, I'm, it really should be retitled. I know that sounds really good, but we, we had four and a half million people leave their job. That's one stat last month, but we also were at 4% unemployment, like the lowest, yeah. Yeah. right? So they didn't stop working. They no. just changed jobs. And yeah. of, of course they didn't change jobs during COVID. There was probably fear and anxiety. So everyone just sat and waited when they maybe would have changed jobs, all that sort of natural movement kind of yeah. got pent up. And, and, and then, and then to your point, now that people are offering more opportunities and more jobs to work anywhere and you can work remote, you've now opened up that pool of potential jobs for people. Yeah. So there's just a lot of turn and burn and, you yeah. know, but, but there has been some percentage of people that are going to, they're being entrepreneurs. We call it, you know, me Inc. They have decided to go and, and do their own thing. We've seen a little bit of that at a higher level. And I don't know if that fits that way in the UK or not. But I think the big thing is that people haven't still aren't realizing that 
What we're doing right now is not real remote work. Real remote work is you can do your thing, but you can go have your social time with your friends and you can go see people and you can go to the coffee shop and work and get interact, right? And just sort of move that interaction. We can't do that right now, especially if we're you know worrying, we're locked down, we're wearing masks and all this stuff. So I think it gets harder and harder for people to kind of figure out how how to move forward, right? And and I think maybe leaders are starting to think about how do we help people with creating healthy boundaries on their team? Is that something you've been kind of talking about? Yeah, I mean, I think boundaries just got all thrown up in the air. Like, when do I respond to an email? Do I work, you know, normal hours? Do I do I have to be responsive at, you know, 10 p.m. at night? Um, and, and I think there's a lot of sloppy cultures that have got in there. And I think that that's one of the reasons for burnout is actually feeling we're always on. You know, one of the things about the commute to work was it kind of set a boundary, it set a natural boundary. You traveled to work. It could actually even change personas slightly. If you want to get psychological about it. I, I had a friend and he's, um, you know, he's a senior in a company and he used to walk into this kitchen and his eight-year-old girl went, who's, who's this man? It's, you know, this isn't daddy. This isn't fun daddy. This is some grumpy man. You know, and I think that's very hard to hold those boundaries when you just move between your office and the kitchen and your kids are there. And so uh, there's there's all sorts of challenges. That, and, and there are some ways that, I mean, I know from the data that the commute to and from work was people's most unhappy part of the day. However, it did serve a transition boundary. So right. how do we replace that? I mean, I tried to do that a bit by having an office, but I can afford an office, you know, so I have a home office, you know, not everybody can do, you know, the first lockdown I was working out of our bedroom because we, we hadn't moved by then. So, it, you know, there's, there's this, because I didn't normally work from home. So it, it, there's a, there's a problem with, with, with working from home and how you set those boundaries. And we have to be more open and honest about it. We have to be, we have to learn to delegate. We have to learn to uh, not try not say yes all the time you know, to set our own boundaries. And that puts more responsibility on us as the employee, I think. Yeah, I think you're really talking about uh, what I like to call signposts, right? Yeah. So that's clear. I mean, it's like the stoplight. I mean, it's, is it time yeah. to go? Is it time to stop? And that, that going into work and leaving work was this natural signpost. Yeah. And so for remote workers, we often suggest, and anyone who's having this challenge, go into Slack and mark yourself inactive or whatever program you use, close your laptop lid, like that physical action of just closing the lid will act like, you know, and shut the door to your office that acts like a signpost. Yeah. It, it, you still have your mobile phone and you can decide on, on how you're going to handle that. But yeah. I do find like just doing something kind of yeah. creates a little bit of a barrier that your brain feels like, okay, I'm done. I'm supposed to be paying attention to my kids or making dinner or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I, yeah, but if we don't recreate that stuff, it's like, there's just, there's no start or stop. It's just sort of, we're always kind of working and always kind of not. And just, it's crazy. So, so easy to slip into that. So easy to slip into that. And, 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 and that's why I think it's a little harder on the individual because you have to kind of make yourself set it in the office you, you could pick up cues of course sometimes those cues are unhealthy like you can't leave until your boss has left and those sort of things but right. but you know the cues were there now the cues are not there we have to make them ourselves yeah i i don't i don't miss that uh pressure I, I, you know it, it's funny yeah. how i think in japan they they tried to regulate some of that like because you know, people were staying forever until like everyone else left or their yeah. boss left. And there was some regulation you mentioned earlier, like, do I text at 10 PM? And Portugal, I think it was Portugal that passed a law that says, you know, your boss can't text you, you know, outside of work. And it's sort of, 
in some places, government's trying to help with that yeah. by creating that that signpost. But I think for most yeah. people, it it it's an in, it's an interesting phenomenon because I do appreciate and like the fact that I can stop at three o'clock and I could go do gardening for an hour, and then yeah. at nine o'clock I might want to do an hour of work because I feel the energy and I feel like I have nothing else I want to do, right? But that's me as, you know, business owner, as a, you know, entrepreneur, yeah. maybe very different than like, let's say a customer service agent who might be like, I want to work my hours and then I want to be done. And yeah. so is, is that a coaching conversation? Is that a leadership conversation? It's, 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 it's that. And it's also, it, it, there's tech solutions to this, you know, like there are companies that, you know, you can write an email whenever you want, but it won't get sent till 8 a.m. You know, there was, there were, there were, you know, I do think we can, we can, tech can help us manage these boundaries. Tech is in a, in a way brings us into the problems and it can also be part of the solution. So I, I, I think, and I do think that we're more shaped by our environments than we realize. And, and that, so we, businesses, organizations do need to help people set boundaries. Otherwise things will go pear shaped over time. I think we, we're talking about burnout. We're worried about people, you know, overworking, at the same time, I think an important role that leaders play is maybe helping their their staff stay challenged, helping their staff maybe um, uh, with a concept of mastery. I think Daniel Pink has talked about right, like learning something new that your brain is sort of, you know, working in a way to to not get bored, to not like just sort of do the same things over and over and over again and never be challenged. So, where does that play into the equation? Do you think, especially right now with all that's going on? So I think boredom is actually not only a joy killer, it's a job killer. And in fact, for my stats, I know that people who are bored are four times as likely to leave than people who are stressed. It's mm-hmm. because not only are they unhappy, but they've got the time to look for a new job. I mean, if you're brutal about it and, <laughs> and, and they're less creative, less innovative. So boredom is a real problem. And of course, the opposite of boredom is interest. And finding, you know, challenge is a great way to stimulate interest as long as it's done with care. As long as it isn't done brutally, you know, challenge is set, you know, and that, and as you talked about, I think you talked about guardrails or boundaries in you know, the people that, you know, when we, when we set people challenges, let's check in regularly. So they're not going off in totally the wrong direction um, and help people keep on the right sort of path, but allow for that creativity and innovation. So challenge is, is great. As Daniel Pink called it in mastery, that's pretty much what it's about is how we learn, how we adapt. Uh, and people love challenge, you know, boredom is terrible for us. So, you know, a bit of stretch, bit of challenge, bit of stress, even if I dare say it's good for us. Um, you know, but you know, when people, yeah, when people are bored and disengaged, that's, that's the worst. So what do you think is the most important thing? If, if somebody only took one thing away from our conversation today and they were wanted to be a little bit happier at work. What, what do you think that they should focus on tomorrow or, or later on today? Well, I mean, I, I'm going to say, I think that you need to check it. If you need a team, I think you need to check in with your team regularly, how they are, but don't let things fester. Don't let things get out of hand. Little and often is the most important thing. Big interventions for happiness, for well-being don't work. It's habits. It's good habits at a week at a team level. So that's, Checking weekly how people are, what's gone well for them, celebrate successes. We too often just go straight to the next challenge. We don't notice those micro successes. Thank each other. You know, we're humans. You know, we we like we like being appreciated. Those are the main things, you know, and don't let frustrations fester. And and ultimately that's what we do with my business Friday Pulse as we create a system for people to check in with their teams, to to thank each other, to notice successes. 
uh, each week. And that's why we call Friday because we do it every week. <laughs> well, how can people find out more about you? How can they find out more about Friday polls? What, what's the best way for them to do that? So me personally, I'm Nick Marks. I, I quirkily don't spell Nick with a K. So I'm NIC Marks. You can find me very easily if you Google that. Um, I've got my own website. The business is Friday Pulse, FridayPulse.com. And if you want to do a little checkup about how happy you are at work, we've created a free tool, which is called Friday One, FridayOne.com. Takes five minutes and it's a bit like one of those 16 personality tests, but for happiness at work. Well, fantastic. I really appreciate you uh, being on the show today. Uh, love to I can't, I'm going to go check out your, uh, your Ted talk. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, 10 years ago now, <laughs> 10 years ago. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I just, I just got mine done. So yeah. I can't imagine I took, it took so long to finally, you know, get, get in there. Um, 10 years. That's a, that's, yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like that long. You'd be dealing with the, the camera was Cameron 10 years ago. Jeez. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Cameron came to pad about, Oh, 2009 2008 yeah yeah okay so, yeah. yeah yeah you're yeah. right Boy, time does fly yeah. well again thanks so much for being on the show uh nick love to have you come back at some point give us an update and all the cool things you're doing thanks so much chris all right we'll be right back after this quick commercial break and we'll bring in my next guest brandon miller imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old there isn't much that stays the same for six months and the same thing goes for background checks in a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Well, we're back on the radio and our second guest is not here yet. So we'll hopefully uh, get uh, Brandon into the into the show here. I'm not sure what's happening, but uh, we'll certainly uh, give it a moment. And uh, hope that he is able to join us. This is your engineer, Paul Roberts. Just uh, checking, just wishing you a happy new year and the start of a new year here. And uh, well, so this year, then you're going to focus on what? You're going to do a couple of shows rather than a weekly show, maybe, or focus on topics? Yeah, we might, we might uh, take it down to, uh, we might take it down to just one or two. Uh, certainly uh, my my uh, activities have, have grown and changed and I'm doing so much more consulting and speaking that uh, we thought, well, maybe we'll just go. We've always tried to go quality over quantity, but really high quality over quantity. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're certainly bringing some high level conversations in. You have been for a long time. And I suspect that as you get traveling again and consulting more, you'll come across even more of these, these Ted talk kind of people here like today's guest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I had no idea he had worked with the, uh, I knew a little bit of a story. I didn't know he had worked with the, the UK government as closely as he did. And that was uh, fascinating to learn. So it was the surprises you get as you interview guests, you know, exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and it turned, 
Turns out the pub that I had dinner at or lunch at near, near Stonehenge is the same place where he met his wife. Oh, you're kidding. Uh, for, for their first date. Wow. So just small world. What but, a small world that, that that pub is even there over a long period of time and that two people who don't know each other randomly uh, go there <laughs> and then uh, connect uh, all these years later, cross paths all these years later. That's what this I'm a, I'm always surprised how many people from England. Do you search for people in England, or do they just seem to? We don't. I mean, you know, we have had a few uh, PR people that uh, you know seem to know about the show and like to suggest people. And I and I think because my publisher is in the UK, we may be getting a few people that oh, you know just sort of there's a crossover there a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's also probably pretty convenient for them. What is it, eight nine o'clock or something there at night, so they can do it without interrupting their day. Exactly. Well, we do obviously a lot of shows here on the network. Um, we rarely do shows with anybody in England. I, I don't know why. It's um, yeah. We do in other countries, but England doesn't seem to produce a lot. And I I don't know if it's just because we don't have the connections there, our, our shows, or because it's yeah. a different world and a different time zone. Or but you'd think of all the countries we could talk to, England would mirror America more than any other here. We certainly have high amounts of downloads considering the size of their country, you know, from, uh, for the podcast there. So, you know, we have a little bit of an audience there, um, but yeah, who knows? Maybe you just need to find a, a British host to yeah. bring in, bring in. <laughs> there you go. That would be, that's our goal for the future here. Let's get to, let's get a British host and talk about uh, the other side across the pond, as they say. Right. Right. Well, it looks like uh, we may have uh, lost our guests. Uh, hopefully, they nothing bad happened, and maybe they just uh, got could, caught up. Or could be the COVID craziness. We've had a lot of could be. You never know. Week. So we will. Uh, I guess we'll call it a show, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, we'll see you then. Thanks, Paul. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2. 